set, Pop. I have two stories to tell today. The first is the story of how a dog saved the day. There is a long tradition of dogs saving days. Think Lassie, Rin Tin Tin, animated heroes like Bolt and the parents from 101 Dalmatians, Pongo and Purdy, who outwitted even Cruella DeVille and her cronies to rescue not only theirs, but all the Dalmatian puppies. However, unlike those stories, this one is true. Early one morning, Yolanda Segovia's neighbor, Stacy, knocked on her door and asked her to temporarily take in a stray dog she had found. The scruffy terrier mix had no collar or microchip. Segovia eyed the pooch, burrs sticking to his belly and mud caking his fur, and reluctantly agreed to foster him for the day. An erstwhile hairdresser, Segovia hadn't worked since 2006. At 47, she is a survivor of two cancers. A divorced single mother of two, Segovia shares her Florida home with her 10-year-old son, Isaiah, and her 21-year-old son, Christian. Her elder son is a Down syndrome child. He cannot speak or bathe himself, and he has had heart surgery and a kidney transplant. Isaiah, the younger son, immediately took to the dog, whom he named Riley. Segovia and her sons bought the dog a collar, a leash, a ball, and a brown bed from the dollar store. And all that day, Isaiah played with the dog, laughing gleefully whenever Riley licked his face, which was often. Don't fall in love with him, Segovia warned. Segovia and Savage made 4,000 found flyers with the dog's picture, stuffed mailboxes, and put an ad on Craigslist. When no one called, Riley stayed the night at the house. His dog bed was placed in the living room. But when the boys climbed into their twin beds, Riley dragged his bed down the long hallway and bunked with the two boys in their room. By Saturday, four days later, no one had called to claim him, and he was still living with the Segovias. The honey-colored terrier had started responding to his new name. He almost never barked, loved playing rambunctiously with Isaiah, and was tender with Christian. One afternoon, the dog settled himself on the floor near Christian as he watched a Barney video in his room. Segovia was outside watering the plants when the placid moment was shattered by the sound of Riley crashing into the screen door and barking crazily. Alarmed, Segovia opened the door only to have the dog race back through the house toward the boy's room. Segovia followed, alarmed when she caught sight of her son. Christian was slumped over, having suffered a seizure, bleeding. Riley stood next to him, yelping, but suddenly went quiet when Yolanda reached down to hold her son. If he hadn't come to get me, Segovia said, the neurologist said Christian would have choked and died. The dog, she decided, was a keeper. But the next day, Segovia and her sons were heartbroken when someone called to claim the dog they had come to love. Randy Cliff, who lived six blocks away, said he had been searching for his dog, real named Odie, for over a week. Odie had lived with Cliff, his wife, their four children, and infant granddaughter. Savage cried, telling Cliff, that dog saved my friend's son. 
When Cliff came to collect his dog Riley, a.k.a. Odie, Odie left off the Segovia's porch and into his arms. Christian watched from a window. Isaiah stood on the porch watching the man hug the dog he knew as Riley. We're going to miss you, he said tearfully. Looking up, Cliff took in the scene. Christian looked scared. Isaiah looked downtrodden and asked, Is that your brother? Isaiah nodded yes. With a sudden change of heart, Cliff put the dog back down. Maybe Odie was supposed to find you, Cliff told a stunned and delighted Isaiah. Maybe you should keep him. Cliff found a generosity of spirit through his Odie, and Isaiah and Christian found a companion protector in their Riley. Sometimes animals and humans find each other when it's least expected. Sometimes we look for them, and sometimes they look for us. Animals and humans find each other in lots of different ways, just as Odie and Riley, Odie, Riley found his home. Oso came to us via TV. A humane society show that a friend saw who called me to say, I think I found your dog. Adam and I hadn't lost a dog, and as far as I knew, we weren't looking for one. But as it turned out, one was looking for us. Animals change us. They can bring out a tenderness that one thought gone forever. They help us to open our hearts and become vulnerable again. And as we love animals, it turns out we're learning how to love humans better and more easily as well. Anatole France said, until one has loved an animal, a part of one's soul remains unawakened. In my own life, that is surely true. Having been the lucky mother of two children, I'm no stranger to animals. Fish, both gold and tropical, geckos, frogs, birds, gerbils, mice, and cats. That was a very uneasy time for everyone. Dogs and horses. I have shared my life with them all. And all of them have been enormously educational, and many were comforting. I've never had a dog pull me from a burning building or a cat do anything remotely heroic. But I have cried my heart out and into the necks of a stream of animals over my lifetime. They have licked my face and just stayed still until I was all cried out. They have kept me company when I was lonely, made me laugh with their antics, and loved me, my siblings, my parents, and my children unconditionally. Okay, in the case of the cats, I knew I had to keep the treats and the worship coming, but, but still. The things I have learned from them are legion. I learned service from cats, responsibility from dogs. Gerbils were very instructive in the reproductive arts, since uh, <laughs> apparently all they really do is run on the wheel and have babies, who have babies. I also learned that gerbils can and will live in the walls of your house for years, and that chewing through plastic is very easy for them. The next story illustrates how animals, even ones that are scary, can produce feelings of guardianship and compassion. 
I am no rodent lover. The gerbils I mentioned gave me the heebie-jeebies, more so once they ran free. A mouse ran across the living room one night while two friends were over for dinner, and I became the cartoon elephant that sees the cartoon mouse. I actually yelled, eek, and jumped up on the couch. Rodent fear is deep-seated in most cultures. They bring disease, or at the very least, mess and destruction of wires and whatever else looks good to them. Which is why what follows was a surprise for everyone. I renovated my kitchen several years ago, and in the process, new and exciting pathways from the basement of my home, which is 100 years old and full of chinks, were opened. It was a very cold winter, and I'm guessing the mice of no small intelligence thought in was better than out. Soon there was the evidence of a mouse roommate. A candy left on the counter opened. A piece of fruit in the bowl delicately nibbled. I couldn't face an actual mouse trap, so I bought a humane trap for catch and release. I baited the trap, cheese, of course, and the next morning, Adam and I finally met our new roommate. I dutifully walked across the street towards the park and released. Two days later, more evidence. I again set the trap, and again, there was our former and now current roommate. This time, I walked all the way down the street, up and down the big hill to the end of the road in a patch of woods. Two days later... You guessed it. Set the trap again. This time drove across Carroll Avenue, which for people that don't live in Tacoma Park is a busy thoroughfare, and found an even bigger patch of woods. Released with an admonishment. If you come back, you're staying. As it turns out, that was apparently the idea all along, and I had just been too dim to grasp it. Back came Schmousy, as the mouse had been dubbed. It took several days, but appear she did. People often say at this point in the story, oh, it was a different mouse. Adam and I are both convinced it was the same mouse. And thus began our mouse colony. In several weeks, more evidence appeared. Trap duly set, and this time we put our new friend in our mouse home to keep Schmousy company. Mice are social. She was lonely. They seemed happy. They both liked the wheel, a relic of the gerbils pre-escape. And they liked the food and the fresh bedding and the intricate mouse platforms I devised weekly because apparently mice get bored, and who wants bored mice? I already knew what inventive rodents with time on their hands could get up to. Then we had a blessed event. <laughs> the stork of mice made a delivery. And another. And soon we had 16 mice and I was regularly soaking bread and milk for the nursing mothers because the mommy mice have to feed the babies and as we all know, new mothers get awfully tired, and the babies were so adorable, and friends began to talk. <laughs> I hadn't planned on having a mouse metropolis. I thought perhaps I could sell them 
But the pet stores would only buy them with one thing in mind, and becoming snake dinners was an end I didn't want for my new rodent friends. As it became apparent that I couldn't tell who was male and who was female, so that we might stem the flow of births, and since everyone thought I was a bit crazy to have kept and fed them in the first place, I devised a release plan far more elaborate than the first attempts. Into the car with the two mice aquariums we went, once the babies were old enough, of course. (laughs) And we drove and drove until we found a dump with bits and pieces and old stuff, and it was in the middle of nowhere, and it was summer, and it was perfect for them. It was sad to say goodbye. I'd seen all these mice grown up. They were like rodent cousins. But goodbye, we said. Well, I said goodbye, and they scurried away. And that was the end of Mouse Metropolis. Except we kept Schmousy, who, after all, had expressed a strong desire to stay with us. Turned out she was pregnant again. (laughs) And in the end, having no way of telling who was female and who wasn't, unless they were giving birth or nursing, we went back to the dump again after the babies were big enough. And after she'd had her fill of bread-soaked milk, of milk-soaked bread, and regained her strength. And we said goodbye to Schmousy, having learned that what you think is really icky, rodents, are actually smart and funny critters who are enormously entertaining and lots of fun. And I'm not scared of them anymore, and I'm doing my best to live in harmony with them and all the creatures with whom we share our planet. I will close with a piece from June Kotner's book, Animal Blessings, called What I Learned from My Dog. Never pass up the opportunity to go for a joyride. Allow the experience of fresh air and the wind in my face to be pure ecstasy. When loved ones come home, I will always run to greet them. Let others know when they have invaded my territory. Avoid biting when a simple growl will do. (laughs) Take naps and stretch before rising. Run, romp, and play daily. Eat with gusto and enthusiasm. Be loyal. Never pretend to be something I am not. If what I want lies buried, I will dig until I find it. When someone is having a bad day, I will be silent, sit close by, and nuzzle them gently. Thrive on attention and let people touch you. On hot days, drink lots of water and lie under a shady tree. When you're happy, dance around and wag your entire body. No matter how often one is scolded, don't buy into the guilt thing and pout. Run back and make friends. Delight in the simple joy of a long walk.